Good morning! On this bowl of Question Crunch, Marie Criddle is here to talk about their amazing endeavors, answering questions about their art, the store that they own, their board game, and the fighting skills of the Grinch. Like, because uh, on the episodes, I say so-and-so's breakfast. And a lot of times, I just use their first name because I like uh, the whole cereal box thing of people being ca- cartoon characters. A lot of times, cartoon characters don't have last names. Unless right. it's Captain Crunch, which I don't know if that's his first or last. Either way, the point is. Title. It's a title. Um, How, because, like, some people have used their Instagram handles as the interview, as the guest. I want to know what you want to be known as. Marie is fine. I like Marie. Okay, cool. It's uh, do, you me, do you want me to include your full name or just Marie? Marie Criddle, yeah. Okay, cool. That's good. Can you spell your last name? I don't really think I've ever seen it. C R I D D L E. C R I D D L E. Yeah, and that's why the store is called Ink and Riddle because it sounds like Cam Criddle, my my name. So. You sound like a storybook character. <laughs> Marie Criddle, come on. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's crazy because my first name is Christy and I go by my middle name. And people ask me, they're like, well, why do you go by mid- your middle name? Your first name, Christy Criddle? That sounds like um, like a superhero. I was like, no, that sounds like a donut, like Christy Criddle. <laughs> it's, it's a cereal or something. Ah, that I, works. That works I, for yours. I'm standing with the storybook character. Even Christy Criddle still sounds like a storybook character. I'll take it. I'll take it. I like that. <laughs> I, uh, this is just making your store even more perfect. But we'll get to your store. And we're doing the interview right now because the whole conversation about your name is perfect. Okay. We're perfect. Gonna, but we're including that in the episode. <laughs> perfect. Hi. So you and I met at, uh, and it's funny because one of the biggest themes in my podcast is that I, a lot of the guests are friends I made at San Diego Comic Fest. And that's one of those, that's where we met and we haven't seen, it was right before pandemic and then kabooey. I love that. Um, and I fell in, we were neighbors at San Diego Comic Fest and I fell in love with your art like instantly. It's absolutely amazing. And yeah. I'm going to, I'm looking forward to asking you more details about your art and the creation of your art. Okay. But the first question I always ask artists is what is your art history? What's my art history? Um, okay. So I, uh, I, I've been drawing since I was a kid. Like I never took it seriously. I didn't do any art classes in middle school or high school or anything like that, but I just loved drawing all the time. And in fact, so I, I always tell my kids, I grew up in the age before you could look up any image you wanted on the internet and color it or use it as reference. And I remember one time, um, watching Beauty and the Beast on VHS and then pausing it and putting tracing paper over my curved TV screen, you know, at cathode ray tube TV screen and tra- tracing Belle in her beautiful yellow gown, just because I'm like, ah, I don't know how to stop it. I don't want to draw it from the video case. I want it from the, the TV screen. So I have, I, I don't have it ever, anymore, but I remember that's what I used to do was like pause the VHS, put my tracing paper over and go from there. So yeah. So anyway, so that's, I started drawing. I loved Disney. I loved Sailor Moon as a kid. That was my, my big kind of like foray into anything other than Disney was 
was that. And then high school, I didn't take it seriously. And when I got to college, I wanted to be an international lawyer. I wanted to work for the State Department. And I really took myself seriously. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to be so buttoned up. I'm going to be awesome. And uh, my first year, I was like, this is not working. This is not my personality. I don't like this. And um, so I switched over to art, but I still wanted to take myself really seriously. So I'm like, fine art. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to paint in oils. I am going to be Picasso. This is going to be great. And a year into that, I was like, this isn't working, but it's a sunk cost. I just got to keep moving on this. So I switched over to 3D art and I did a lot of um, like ceramics and metalwork and stuff like that. And so I graduated and <laughs> it was so dumb because like the last month of my time in school, somebody was like, well, why didn't you switch over to illustration if you like like cartoons and comics so much. And I was like, was that an option? Should I have done that? <laughs> and I felt so dumb, but I was like, well, uh, I'm already in this far. So I just graduated and um, yeah, worked for a little bit. I lived in China for a while, lived in Taiwan for a while. And then when I went back to grad school, I did uh, writing for children. And I was like, I really wanted to write books but then as I'm studying writing for children, I was like, I just love illustration. I, and I've been doing this like my whole life, just sketching in the background of, you know, on phone calls, sketching on the notepad. And so finally I was like, while I'm in grad school, I'm really, really gonna focus on children's book illustrations. And from then I was like, I just wanna draw happy things. I don't wanna draw the serious fine art, oil painting, blah, blah. Like. I just want to draw things that make me happy and I don't want anybody to tell me that what I have to draw. So I just want to draw for myself. And that's me in a nutshell, just a lot of bad decisions leading up and then finally landing on illustration. So thank goodness for all those bad decisions because I think if I would have gotten into illustration in college, I would have had a really different mindset of why I do what I do and why I want to do what I want to do. So yeah, that's, that's my art history in a nutshell. I, uh, it's interesting because you say oh, a lot of bad decisions, but I think that a lot of those decisions, while it wasn't your path and you course corrected, um, it still made you who you are. And I feel like, uh, taking fine arts and being like, that's where I'm going to go and I'm going to take it seriously. That's not a bad thing to do. It gives you appreciation. I, I have a lot of, uh, arguments with a lot of folks who, uh, really bad mouth abstract art. And I'm just like, just because it's not for you doesn't mean it's a <laughs> it's an art below you. And I'll hear people say, oh, well, that's art that I can create on myself. I just splatter something on a canvas. I'm like, all right, cool. Do it. Do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want you make art. I want everyone to do, create art. So if you sure. if you think it's so easy that you can do it, I really want to see you do it. I would love it. I would love it. Right. And and if you do it, if you take that, you know, splatter paint, let's see if it elicits the same sort of emotion that a Pollock does, that, you know, a Matisse does. You know, it's, there is a different feel to the weirdness and the abstractness of a trained artist versus somebody who's, to, I don't know, maybe they can do something weird. A, an elephant can paint something that looks, that elicits emotion out of me, but I don't know. I, I see it from the masters more than the, the amateurs, so. Absolutely, and I mean, outsider art is still a thing, so I would be down just to uh, see what they do especially because if they do do the thing and they're just like, oh, it's nothing. And they hit that paint. It might open a whole new path for them where they're just like, for sure. I, I did not know I could really show my emotion through splattering paint on canvas. I'm like, cool, run with for that. Sure. I want to see where that develops. Amen. Amen. I agree. With that. I, 
forgot about how often I paused movies when I was a kid to draw the car- the character. Because yes. Over the years of living with the internet, I have every character at... Uh, <laughs> at, at I just all right there, yeah. Now, you did... I, I feel like when you did the pause, you did a remote control. I don't think I had a remote control. I think I had to run a VHS. I wasn't running over, I remember. If I saw a clip and I saw a character I really wanted to draw, I would just hang out by the VHS waiting for a good shot to be able to. I love it. I love it. The things that we did, you know, that kids today, you're just like, ah, I can see why, you know, old people get mad at us for how easy it is, you know, because now I'm getting mad at the young kids being like, do you know how easy it is? You can just drag and drop and digital art, all this stuff. And I had to actually get in there. Well. I don't know if it's mad. I just, I definitely get jealous. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But I feel like uh, it was interesting because my nephew recently, he told me about a YouTube video of uh, there was an abandoned theme park in Japan about Gulliver's Travels. And I'm oh. just like, I I really appreciate that because he would probably never have been experienced, never have been to been exposed to Gulliver's Travels. In which case I'm like, you know that there's a book you could read and he has it. <laughs> convenient that he can look it up and I love yeah. it I I'm jealous of how convenient it is but I also really appreciate it because he's going to be exposed to the world around us and not be so not, not be so uh stuck in an echo chamber of where he lives true like I was <laughs> true. and it's like not to belabor the spider-man but with great power comes great responsibility and with great access to all of these new ways of learning and you know, art and otherwise, then a lot more is expected out of them to create such amazing things, so. And I do think that the younger generation does have that hunger because they realize that they can go anywhere that they want using the internet. Right, right. It's their, and you know, this, I might be rabbit holing here, but like. Rabbit hole away. Okay, the gatekeepers are disappearing, you know. It's like Procreate Dream just came out today, yesterday. I don't know, it's an animation program that was tacked on to Procreate, which was also the most amazing art program that Mac has ever come up with, you know, Apple, excuse me, Apple has ever come up with. And so Procreate Dream, you're looking at what they can do with it. And you're like, that's exactly what animators 20 years ago were doing after 20 years of experience, hand drawing stuff on a, you know, a light tower and all that. So it's just, it's amazing to see that my 13 year old can pull up Procreate Dreams and draw something that took Glenn Keane, three days to do back in 1988. You know, it's just, it blows my mind and it's like really exciting and really scary for me to be like, but I don't want to do that. I, I want to draw quietly in my corner with my my markers. Do I have to do, per- I don't know, we'll see, but anyway, <laughs> exciting. I know exactly how you feel because um, I've told people when they're, when, and I get I get weird because I think to myself, oh man, I should really get into some big time illustrator stuff, really amazing landscapes. And then I go to then I think I immediately think Charles Schultz when he did Peanuts didn't have to do that, right? Like he didn't have to go make big animated feature films or well, I mean, he eventually did, but eventually, yeah. But to start, no, he didn't do any of that. It's just like his beauty came out through the simplicity. And it's like, that's, I think what we need to hang on to is that, that 
nugget, that soul of our art and who we actually are in our art. And it'll come out in some way, like the emotion, the love, the compassion we have for whatever we want to express. It's going to come out as long as we try. I don't know. I don't know. As long as we do something about it. <laughs> so the new Willy Wonka movie is coming out this month. Yeah. And it's weird because I don't even know if it's going to be good, but I'm definitely going to go see it because every trailer looks so wholesome and so happy where there it doesn't, doesn't look cynical at all. And I I feel like I have a hunger for that. It just, I, I want to just enjoy just uh, two hours of fun. Just oh my some- God. 100%. Oh, go on? 100%. Yeah, I feel the same way. And the reason why I bring that up is because looking at your illustrations does way. It's it's funny hearing you, not funny. It's interesting hearing you say that you started studying uh, children's books because you just wanted to do drawings that just were happy, that were just enjoyable. And that's how I feel about looking at your artwork is that there are some drawings on there that I thought, as I was scrolling through all your pieces, and it's interesting because we got to, I got to Bernie in his uh, jacket and his, gloves during like the beginning of the pandemic and it says I just wanted to be warm or something like that I'm paraphrasing and I love that because sure (laughs) I'm very much of a Bernie fan I'm very political I do I do like taking a break (laughs) (laughs) yeah oh my gosh I I I love I'm a huge Bernie fan myself I really appreciate the guy because he's so fiery and passionate about a lot of things and then very like you do you I love you you I love you you know it just is sort of that's who I want to be when I grow up is Bernie <laughs> like just quiet and happy but I want to make other people happy but also leave me alone I just want to be warm <laughs> and I get that from a lot of the work that you do uh the white lines within the actual shape lines are such an adorable addition and I look at I've looked at your artwork and I've watched the video clips of the time lapse and it just it does make me feel good and it's because like I was gonna say warm but warm is not the exact word I would use it just it makes me feel happy yeah I I'm gonna cry hold on good Good. (laughs) (laughs) that makes me feel really really good so thank you uh which artists inspire you Oh, okay. Uh, I Glenn Keane. I have to say Glenn Keane was my number one guy for a long time. I mean, again, showing my age here, I had this clipping from the newspaper up on my my wall when I was eight years old because Glenn Keane came from Phoenix. I, I grew up in Phoenix and, or in Mesa next to Phoenix in Arizona. And um, they would be like, oh, local boy does good. You know, he's the son of Bill Keene, the guy who did Family Circus. And then Glenn Keene is now, you know, working on this brand new thing, Beauty and the Beast and blah, blah. You know, I was just like, I love him. I want to be Glenn Keene when I grow up. I just, I would study it. Anytime he had a, you know, Family Circus, I would even cut out Family Circus just because I was like, it's, it's uh, you know, parallel to Glenn Keene. It's somewhere in there. I just, Glenn Keene was this, wholesome it just felt like everything was was good and beautiful to him you know and uh Glenn Keane I just I loved him Mary Blair anything Mary Blair did I I didn't know about her until I was a lot older like you know end of high school college I was like oh she was the the OG as the kids say you know she was 
her color was gorgeous. And anytime I go to Disneyland, it's like that blast of color in things. And that's what Mary Blair did with her. I don't know. I just, I would love to be that back in the day of, you know, the nine old men at Disney making Snow White and then Mary Blair just busting in with a purple dress on and being like, let's do this, you know, and all of them have to listen because they can't help but love the color and Disney loved the color. So they had to do what Mary Blair said anyway. Um, so yeah, Glenn Keane, Mary Blair. Uh, if I'm, if I'm going like all buttoned up fine art, I love Matisse. I love just the bright color of Matisse and how there's this, there's one painting of a lady in a red room. And I remember seeing that live in some museum. And I, I had the Ferris Bueller moment of like, you're staring at the painting and it's just like speaking to you back and forth. And there's this beautiful domesticity of the woman. Like she's just setting a table and the room is red and you can see out the window on the side. And it's very basic, like Matisse's, you know, paint by numbers sort of level of skill, it, it, apparent skill, but there's so much in the, in it that just like spoke to me. And I, I fell in love with Matisse after that, where I'm like, yeah, he's, he's not, he's illustrative and fine art illustrative and not, um, yeah. Um, there's also uh, this artist that I've been in love with since the beginning of my art understanding and education. His name's James Christensen. Mm -hmm. And he did a uh, fantasy art and I don't know how to describe it other than it's like fine art, beautiful cartoons, fine art cartoons. And he does fantasy and fairies and dragons and mermaids and unicorns. And yet it's, it's all in oil and he does such a gorgeous, gorgeous, I don't know. He was my main inspiration of having like happy, fancy, fantasy stuff. In fact, I, <laughs> I, got my a book of his and I got it signed by him. And I was like, when I met him, I was gushing. I was almost crying. I was like, you're my favorite. I love you. And he's like, oh, that's nice. And just really sweet. And he signed my name, you know, to Christy Marie, uh, love James Christensen. And I, <laughs> how he signed my name is now how I signed my signature because I studied it as a kid and I practiced how he did this cool K and this fun M and stuff. And so if you ever see my signature, it's now exactly as James Christensen wrote my name in my book when I was 14. <laughs> that is one of the cutest stories I've ever heard about someone creating their signature. <laughs> I just, I loved him so much. Um, he recently passed away, maybe like five years ago. And I actually took a class in college from his daughter and uh, the day she was like, yeah, we're going to go to my dad's studio. I was like, oh my gosh, we're going to go to my dad, his dad's studio. I'm so excited. And um, I had a funeral I had to attend instead. So I was like, okay, that's fine. It'll come back to me sooner or later. And it's more important to go be with family. So anyway, um, yeah, but he's amazing. If anybody wants to look him up and see him, you'll just fall in love too. So I feel like a lot of these names, uh, if listeners don't know who they are, you really should look them up. I think you really. Exactly, exactly. And you'll see James Christensen stuff and you'll be like, oh, yeah, no, I've seen his stuff somewhere in the background. It's, it's interesting because I was going to say the same thing about uh, um, Mary Blair, that if you don't know who Mary Blair is, look her up <laughs> and you'll be like, wait. <laughs> really that's mary blair ah oh, okay yeah no that's mary all of snow white i mean no uh sleeping beauty like that aesthetic is all mary blair so 
all all uh, um, small world. If you really want to see Mary Blair's world, go well. I feel like the beginning of Small World, like the original Small World, was all Mary Blair. It's yeah. got a little toned down, but you still see her inspiration throughout the ride. And for sure, for sure. Her love of color and abstract and uh, abstract shapes and just a lot of angular nonsense is amazing. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought up Sleeping Beauty because I tell people one of my favorite things about older Disney is. I feel like newer Disney a lot of times tries to be too realistic, making the trees look like actual trees. One of my favorite things about Sleeping Beauty is having these really bizarre cube-shaped oh. trees. Yeah, yeah. And you just, you accept it because it's the world. It's the, how it was all set up. So it's like, yeah, sure. Let's say that weird castle in the background and the weird trees and the weird mountains. And yeah, it's all normal. That's my favorite way. That, that's my favorite thing about a lot of animation. Uh, I'll always gravitate towards the ones that um, <laughs> don't recreate what I already know, but show me a world that's completely new. Right, right. And, you know, I, I don't like to talk about things that I don't like that much, yeah. but but that was, I think, a problem of that's some... That when... Here's something I'm going to hate. <laughs> but here's what I hate. No, um, when 3D animation started really bouncing off the rails and like you know they've got dinosaur like what dinosaur no uh the good dinosaur they were so proud of like how true to life it was and how they created this world and i was like yep yep that's a stream that's yep that's and it was gorgeous and you can't deny that they had such talent in that but it was it was a movie it was just what i see when i go hiking it's you know, I, it, it was fine. But then right before Good Dinosaur is um, Ar- Arjun's super team, Rock, Raj, the the Indian-based superhero short that they did, which was, oh my gosh, uh, Akshay's super team, something. Okay, I, have not, I don't think I've seen this one. It's so good. And I remember watching that and crying. The art was so gorgeous. It was superhero, but based in an East Indian culture, you know, and um, the blending of the kid who wanted to play with superheroes and the dad who wanted to sit there and worship, you know, their traditional Hindu deities and how they came together and the art was gorgeous, all that. And I'm crying. I'm like a new mom freaking out about, oh, my child and how we will blend in the future. And then it, the good dinosaur started. I was like, all right, I got my emotions out. This is fine. Yeah. <laughs> I'm absolutely looking forward to that. I so you said it was a short before Good Dinosaur, or was it? Okay. Uh, look it up. It's something Super Team. That's okay. I mean, if, if it's a short, then if it's a short that went with Pixar, I assume that's probably going to be on Disney Plus. So I'm, I'm going to have to check that out. Probably, yeah, yeah, probably. If not, yeah. YouTube. It might be on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> if you were to make a soundtrack of your artwork, and it's interesting because when I was when I was making this question, I was trying to think of uh, what songs, and I, I, did, I didn't pick any songs because I'm not cool enough to know what songs, but since you're the artist making the art, I feel like you'd be able to find uh, songs that really match the kind of energy and the, um, the happiness that your art is able to capture. It's a good question. Um, <laughs> so I, I thought about this one, and I was like, well, what do I listen to while I'm doing my art to kind of get it going? And I realized I, I really don't like listening to music with words in it, especially when I'm doing art. I think I get way too distracted. My my brain doesn't splinter as well as some do. 
So I, I was like, okay, I really like listening to soundtracks and like instrumental music. And I think the, the best, cause I, I like to pretend that I'm very serious and very buttoned up. So I was like, oh, the sweeping soundtracks of Interstellar or the Thomas Newman's of, you know, Finding Nemo and stuff. But then I was like, I'm not Thomas Newman, I'm Randy Newman. I like the like bouncing fun and it, like, I don't know, just like the, the bouncy fun sort of, I just wanna have fun. I don't wanna be too serious about anything. <laughs> so. Even though I didn't pick any songs and this might just be because of uh, where my mind is usually at. Yeah. But when I was thinking of just now, I was trying to think of what kind of soundtrack I would I would match with your artwork, and cool. the only thing I can think of was uh, the Rainbow Connection. Because yes. <laughs> I, I was picturing draw, uh, the time lapse of your things, and a lot of times it starts really simple, and Rainbow Connection just starting with Kermit's like the just strumming the banjo yeah. string, and then growing into something big, and just right. a being a happy song. I feel like that's the only thing that my mind went to, but. I'm always thinking of the Muppets. So yeah. that's where my mind always at. So I I'm never not thinking of Muppets. Yeah. I, not thinking of Muppets. I have cold chills because I, I absolutely love the Muppets. I love Kermit. I love John Denver. I love any of those, you know, simplicity, the, the passion and simplicity sort of thing, you know? And yeah, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll give that. I'll say Rainbow Connection, track one for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also like, the music that I really, really get into is is so like, I don't know, I love soundtrack music because I can put my own ideas and thoughts and you know stories into it. But I also love the soundtrack music that wasn't meant for anything. It was meant for like trailers, like Two Steps From Hell is just the trailer music that is all on Spotify. And I love that because I was like, I'm not thinking of, you know, Star Wars when I'm listening to this because there's nothing that goes to this other than somebody who used it as a trailer for their personal movie or something like that. So sounds really goofy, but I really like listening to uh, very generic soundtrack music that don't doesn't go to anything. So I can make up my own stories in there. I, I do have different playlists that I make where uh, depending on what I'm drawing, like I'll, I'll listen to regular songs. I feel like a lot of times when I listen to soundtracks, it can be a little distracting because my imagination runs wild and I'm like, no, I got to I got to narrow it down on what I'm working on. Right, right. But I do have soundtrack playlists when I want uh, to really capture the mood of what I'm drawing. And it's interesting because I've had a Halloween playlist, but as I was doing this drawing, I wanted it to be really cozy. I want it to be really comfortable. And I feel like a Halloween playlist that I usually listen to are more uh, energetic, more uh, I'm going to party and I'm going to yeah. drink. And I'm just going to goof off and it's going to be scary. Yeah. But I want something really uh, casual and comfortable and cozy. Cozy is the best word I can think of. Okay. And uh, I started making a playlist of that. And the first songs I picked were from uh, uh, Practical Magic. I think that soundtrack captured what I was looking for. Okay. Yeah, totally. I, I've actually listened to that before too. Especially when it's like, movies I don't know that well when I don't have to like if I'm listening to Star Wars I know exactly they're in the trench I know they're in the asteroid field blah blah March of the Resistance looks such a banger but I'm just thinking of the resistance at that point you know yeah. but yeah I I like that that idea of putting together the cozy <laughs> cozy playlists it, it would be very <laughs> it would be very mood killing if yeah. drawing a cozy drawing of autumn 
all of a sudden Dula Fates just shows up and I'm drawing, I would not. <laughs> okay, there's um there is one song that I my family hates it because I put it on constantly just because I'm like this starts my day. I love the song. It's You're So Cool from the True Romance soundtrack. And I remember the first time I heard it, I was like, whoa, uh, xylophone, mwah, beautiful. Let's bring it on, you know? And then um, I was listening to uh, Gassenhauer by Orff, like the, some classical music. And I was like, oh, it's the exact same. He stole it. Hans Zimmer stole that from Orff. Oh my gosh. And so now I'm like, I'll alternate. I'll do Gassenhauer and then I'll do You're So Cool, you know? And it's just, it's one of the, like, really, again, starts really simple, dun, 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 and then moves on to some greater things. And I've never seen True Romance, so I'm like, oh, I have nothing to connect it to. Oh, you've never seen True Romance? I know, I know. I just have listened to the soundtrack multiple times a day for the past four years, so. Do you know anything about that movie? Not a thing. Not okay, a cool. Thing. There's a Fugitive? Charlie Fugitive? <laughs> I really want you to see the movie. I'm not even going to tell you anything about the movie because I want you to see it. Because I think it'd be really funny that you're like, this isn't what I thought at all. <laughs> I have heard that it's a little incongruous with the feel of the music, but funny. <laughs> I kind of want to stay in the dark so I, it doesn't get ruined because I love it so much. I would not mind you staying in the dark, but I think it'd be really funny to, <laughs> to know how you felt after watching the movie. We'll see. We'll see. I don't know if I want it ruined yet. We'll it's see. Just, I'll, I'll report a, back if I do. It's funny because I've had a conversation with a friend where I was telling them about uh, From Dusk Till Dawn and I was saying, and I, I mentioned it and my friend was like, I don't know what that movie is. I've never seen that movie. And I'm like, oh, you should watch that movie. I think you'll like it. And I was like, you know what? Don't read anything about the description of the movie. I just want you to go in that movie blind. And she was reading it. She was breaking the rules. She's like, there's vampires? I was like, no, stop it. Stop it. <laughs> no. No. Oh, my gosh. That's That was, okay, sorry to get off track. No, go off track. Did Hot Rod, did you ever see Hot Rod with Andy Samberg? Yep. Uh, went in completely blind. I had no idea. I didn't even know who Andy Samberg was. I was like, oh, this looks kind of interesting. Maybe this is like Days of Thunder, or, you know, whatever. You know, it's a guy with this. Anyway, my, my husband and I, we were just dating and we got it out of a red box and we were sitting and watching it. We're like, this is the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. This is, we watched it like three times in a weekend just because we were so blindsided with how weird it was, like how absurdist humor that it spoke to me. And I was like, I have found my people. I have found my genre and it's absurdist humor of a guy falling down a cliff for 12 minutes, you know, or I've been drinking green tea all gosh darn day. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Anyway. There are plenty of times where if, it, 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 plenty of times, not often, but sometimes someone says, I like to party. I'm like, no, that's my thing. That's <laughs> I was in a very serious meeting a few weeks ago and somebody said um, uh, something about whiskey. And I was like, whiskey? What about whiskey? What? And they're like, what? I was like, what word? Do you mean by whiskey? And one person out of the group of 20 got it and they were laughing. I was like, oh man, all right, quiet down. Be serious. It's, it's bad when it is in a serious moment where a movie quote will happen because I'm trying to remember what the word was. I think it was uh I think it was diversity, where mm -hmm. 
uh, back at my warehouse job, um, we had a supervisor who I did not like him. He, it was just weird. He would start up, he felt very Michael Scott and okay. not in a good way. Um, <laughs> and at one, at one of the opening meetings, he was like, can anyone tell me what diversity is? And I want to quote Anchorman, where he gets the same question. And I was just like, it's an old wooden boat during the Civil War. But I was like, you know what? I don't think that anyone has seen this movie in this area, in this circle. And it would look really bad for me. Right, <laughs> right. It's not going to land the way I want it to. Let's keep it to myself and think I was really funny in that moment to yeah. myself. <laughs> That's hilarious. If the Krampus and the Grinch battled... Who do you think would win? All right. I had to think real hard about this one. Me too. I, I rabbit hold on this one way longer than I needed to. Um, and what I came to is the Grinch is a bit of a soup cracker. He is very cranky and he's mad and he's more like innerly, inwardly sad about his situation. And But he also doesn't beat the crap out of Cindy Lou Who. You know, he doesn't go after her. He just steals stuff and he's taking it away from people quietly. He's not stealing it out in front of him. Whereas Krampus is, um, I think would go after them, like would steal things and uh, beat people up. He's got, what is this? His, his sticks his, that he would go after people with. And I didn't even think of like Krampus in the terms of, you know, pop culture Krampus. I was just thinking of like Belschnicke and, you know, Krampus and the, the old German, I think he would he would eat the Grinch for breakfast. So I would I would say Krampus for sure. And the Grinch, I think, would start crying by the end of it. So and his heart would be eaten by Krampus. It's weird. It's weird because I I kept on going back and forth because I was thinking of the Dr. Seuss Grinch, and then I started thinking about the cartoon Grinch, and then I started thinking about Jim Carrey's movie Grinch. Right. And the movie Grinch, I think, could have a chance against the Krampus. Maybe, maybe. Because the movie Grinch builds stuff. He, his whole like area is just filled with machines. So he's a crafty uh, engineer. Right. Okay. And I was thinking it would be a fighter because the Krampus is has, a, <laughs> has been fighting for a long time. So the Krampus right. knows how to invade and attack you. That per that monster is down to end you. Right. Right. And so it definitely is like, uh, I feel like I don't want to say brawn versus brains, but I, that's how I argued it in my head between, between the Krampus and the Grinch. Right. And it's kind of like, I was thinking of Grinch in terms of like Kevin McAllister from Home Alone, you know, yes. he's very crafty and very uh, dangerous in his own way. But it's like, it's like a fist fight between Kevin McAllister and I don't know, like, uh, yeah. Muhammad Ali. I don't know. Somebody like it's he couldn't get out of it if he came, Krampus came after him in a full brawn. So, yes. And yeah. I think I think that you're right. I think that uh, I think that your explanation there might have settled my argument in my head because I was thinking to myself, <laughs> uh, Krampus, Krampus and Grinch are pretty. I, I don't know who would win. But then when you said Kevin McAllister versus I don't know, I, I Kevin, Kevin McAllister versus, versus a wild animal. I don't think that Kevin is going to come out on top. It's like a, a rabid wolf coming in, and he's like, "Oh, let's get the uh, paint can on him." And the rabid wolf is like, "Nope, sorry." 
<laughs> Kevin McAllister would heat up the doorknob, but the wild animal would just break down the door. <laughs> and the McAllister family comes home and they're like, what the? Kevin, <laughs> Kevin. <laughs> well, the McAllister family, oh no. Okay, so it's funny that you bring out that, that picture because the, Kevin, uh, the McAllister family, if the wolf attacked Kevin, the family would come in and there'd still, or cops would come in, and there'd still be a bunch of booby traps that the wolf did not trigger. <laughs> so it's like Kevin's last F.U. to his family. <laughs> but now, now it's got me thinking, what if there were traps that Kevin didn't trigger or take down when the family showed up? I haven't even thought of that. Oh my gosh, and... And Buzz, probably, maybe that's what he was yelling at the end. He's like, Kevin! It's because his foot was caught in a wolf trap or like a, a claw. <laughs> I don't think that Kevin cleaned up those stairs that are covered in tar. <laughs> I would really like a Home Alone 1.5 of the, the cleanup and why, why they left him in New York again. And they were fine with that, just for a while at least. Well, I think that they even... Uh, I'd have to watch. I, I'm, you know, it's it's Christmas time, so I'll I'll watch it again. Yeah. But I think that there was an actual reason why they got disconnected when it came to New York because uh, uh, his mom, his mom, the whole family knew that Kevin. They didn't want to do it again, so they took precautions to make sure it didn't happen. And yes. then best laid plans, and it's, it's you know it's a movie, so <laughs> he had to split off somehow, somehow, somewhere. But I think that as an audience, everyone already knew, like, you know, this already happened once, so it can't happen again. So they had yeah. to make sure that his mom and him had, there has to be, like, an actual reason why they got separated. And they have to watch it again. It's been a while, but we're in December. This this episode will come out in December. We record this in November, but as soon as we're, as soon as I'm done with Thanksgiving, now I can watch Christmas movies. Yay! Awesome. I always did this thing when I was sick at home uh, when I was a kid. It was Christmas movie time. It could be March or August, whatever. If ever time I was sick, it was time to watch Home Alone and uh, It's a Wonderful Life. And that was, I don't know why. Like, It's a Wonderful Life. George Bailey is the man I loved from the time I was five. And I married a George Bailey, basically. <laughs> and I was like, all right, that was, that was, anyway, It's a Wonderful Life and Home Alone were my my two. And now it's Klaus. Klaus? Klaus. is it is Klaus. I'm like, Klaus. Uh, if so. anyone who's listening has not seen Klaus, you should. It's one of the most gorgeous animated films that have come out recently. Yeah. And I'm going to cry just talking about it because that is one of the sweetest, most beautiful pieces of Christmas movie dumb I've ever seen. So I, I agree completely. It's it's the moment I saw it, it went on my mandatory list. I think that there's a lot of Christmas movies that I skip. Not on purpose, but just yeah. because, you know, we're adults and time is hard. Uh, yeah. But Klaus is one that I will always watch. And I'm probably going to watch it this weekend after Thanksgiving because I just, I adore that movie so much. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Uh, Christmas movies were not my thing uh, when I was sick. It was, I, I, I celebrate Halloween all year round. You know, <laughs> I celebrate Halloween. It's kind of during December, but... Yeah. I'm still doing spooky stuff during December. So when I say kind of, just, just barely. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. 
uh, and you watched as a kid, Wonderful Life. Uh, I feel like I liked it better as a kid because now as an adult, uh, I empathize and I understand how <laughs> he goes through. <laughs> right? And it's like, you totally understand why everyone's really pissed at him, you know, and how he's so mad at Uncle Billy. Like, I remember watching it and being like, Uncle Billy did it wrong. Like, don't take the blame for Uncle Billy. He's old. It doesn't matter for him. But like, I don't know, just that and how he gave his money to his his brother and this and that. I was like, oh, man, like healer, physician, heal thyself first, you know, take care of yourself. But back then I was like, George Bailey, is this the year you can't hear it? I'll love you till the day I die. <laughs> and the bad guy never gets any consequences. Which is why it was almost, it was like, I can't remember the exact story. Somebody IMDB this, but it was considered to be not, not appropriate. Like the Hayes Code said, no, you can't have it where he has no comeuppance at the end. You know, otherwise this turns into like an adult film rather than a kid's film. It was before the whole rating GPG sort of thing. But the Hayes, I want to, mm, please correct me if I'm wrong. The Hayes Code said, that the bad guy in any movie for kids has to have comeuppance at the end. And he never does. Copper, copper pot, copper field. The guy. Potter, thank you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm thinking of like Potter's field that he he tries to do. Anyway, um, yeah, he never ever has any comeuppance on it. And it's just, anyway, you gotta look up that story. I, I love It's a Wonderful Life. So I have IMDb'd and trivia'd it many times in my life, so. I will, I will check out that story because it's yeah. interesting. I never really look at too much of the rating system prior to the letter rating system. The only trivia I have as far as the rating system is concerned is uh, from uh, the cabinet of Caligari. Okay. Uh, so have you seen the cabinet of Caligari? No, what was that? Uh, German film, really beautiful. I love it. Uh, you should probably watch it. It's a, um, it's a silent film, and all the backgrounds are just crazy. It's just really weird and distorted buildings, and it's just gorgeous. Okay, yeah. But originally, the scientist, the doctor, was going to be the bad guy, Dr. Caligari. Okay. But uh, the government said, you can't make it, a doctor be the villain of a movie, so they put... Uh, a prologue and an epilogue to show that all the plot was just in the person's mind. <laughs> just to get around the idea of doctors are wonderful, we love them, don't make them bad. Correct. Wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I really want to say that now. That sounds amazing. <laughs> uh, it is. Uh, I, I absolutely love that film. And I do like that kind of, I, I like that kind of trivia, despite the fact that I hate it when, I, I hate the idea of the government being like, you can't say anything bad about doctors. Yeah, yeah. Mary Shelley did. Calm down. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Doctors, they don't know what they're doing. Just kidding. <laughs> My husband, he's a doctor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I want everyone to know. I love doctors. Doctors are awesome. I just don't like government <laughs> intervention of art. <laughs> well said. Well said. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm going to keep on imagining Kevin, <laughs> Kevin Kassler versus a wolf. <laughs> I'm going to have to like look and see if somebody's written fan fiction or done a fan movie about that of like Kevin murdering the neighbors accidentally because he left the handlebar up. Which, okay, one more thing. Uh, obsessed with Home Alone as a kid. The handlebar scene where he gets his bike handlebars and slides down that. 
I, one Christmas I asked for rope because I really wanted to recreate that. And that's all I wanted was just rope. And my dad's like, all right, we'll get you some rope. He got me kind of thin paracord and I made, you know, the handlebars. I got my dad to help me drill in, you know, the, the hook on it and everything. <laughs> Christmas morning comes, I get the rope, I set it up. I'm so excited. And as I'm jumping off the tree, the rope breaks and I smash the handlebars on my head and the screw that I did to put the hook on goes through my skull and I had a massive head wound Christmas morning because I I didn't do the math on how much rope I needed to hold myself up. Anyway, home is alone. That, is that not the story from Christmas story? No, he shoots he shoots himself in the eye with the, okay. Well the gun and the rope, yes. <laughs> I'm just because like I when you said when you said you'd ask your you asked for a rope for Christmas and you got rope, I was like Oh, I. What your parents? What bad? What injury your parents would say that you'll get? But you did it. You did injure yourself with the rope. He didn't think anything was gonna happen. They're like rope. Who's? What's gonna go wrong with rope? And anyway, sorry, I'm getting off track here. <laughs> <laughs> it's not off track. It's on track because okay. that's an amazing story. Because <laughs> I've never heard, heard of a kid asking rope. <laughs> that's all I wanted was just rope. Rope, rope. So I'm really curious about this because as I was scrolling through your Instagram for questions to ask, I, and I've, I've been following you ever since we met, but I saw a uh, plover in uh, your, when you said that I developed this thing called plover. And I was like, I can't believe, cause like social media is weird because no matter how often you post something, the algorithms will not be too kind about it. And so things will get lost in the cracks. For sure, for sure. But I found it, and I'm absolutely, first of all, I'm absolutely in love with the whole project, and I look forward to asking about the details. Thank you. But before we get to that, I do want to mention the fact that I'm really upset that I did not know about this word, because one of the clips, you show clips of different movies that have used this word, and I still didn't know about it. So... Uh, what is palaver? You can you can talk about the definition, but also I want to talk about the game. Okay, so palaver is a, a word that means just flim flam, your jibber jabber, like just words that don't mean anything. Like if you're just randomly talking about something, you're just uh, she's got a little palaver coming. You know, it's like it's, and I didn't know about this word until I was googling all these different words for speaking. And there's like duo. I was looking for a name for my my language game. And I was like, Duolingo, Lingo, Lingo Guama. Like, uh, I don't know, like, what can I put together? And then I came across Palaver and I was like, ooh, that's fancy. And the more I looked into it, I was like, all right, I've heard that on Firefly. I've heard that on Treasure Planet. I've heard that on Jane Austen. Like, it's a word that we just kind of glaze over because it's very easy to understand in context. And so we're like, oh, Palaver, uh, whatever, move on. So, you, so yeah, it just means uh, talking without meaning much, which is, basically D and D you just talk and you don't mean much, but you have a lot of fun with it. And that's, that's what the game is. It's D and D, but you're teaching a language as you play D and D. So. And it's interesting because uh, in this conversation, in this interview, I realize all of the steps that you've taken to be able to do Palaver, uh, uh, make this game. Um, you travel the world, you went to, you globetrotted. So your understanding of the languages and your understanding of uh, writing kids' books and your study of illustration 
have all accumulated and to be able to make this project legitimate, like really. Have you been listening to like my talks with my mom? Cause that's what I keep saying. I'm like, everything I've done up to this point leads to palaver. So I, I felt like it was like my life's work at 41. Like, this is what I'll do. But um, it's, it's just a part of my life. <laughs> but yeah, I, I love illustration. I love languages. I love D and love fantasy. I love art. And so I'm like, I could just squish it all together into like a Willy Wonka gobstopper of, you know, all this different flavors of my interests and loves and passions, then that's what Palaver would be. Bonus, it's mentioned in Firefly. <laughs> then, there's two dragons involved with this, right? Like I saw two names. I forget what their names were. Uh, there's uh, one dragon and it huh. in um, the Spanish version, his name is Tiago. And in the Chinese version, his name is Yonglong. So there's and which basically means dragon in chinese long so okay cool because i'm going to probably do some fan art because i want more people to know about this because i do with duolingo uh a lot of people are playing that game so people do want to learn more languages despite yeah. the fact that we live in the u.s and <laughs> who uh, i believe the contrary whenever i watch any youtube videos right. Um, right. People love learning uh people love D D and people love fantasy so i yeah. feel like this would be a I, I want more people to see this because I think that it's right up the alley for so many people. Yeah, yeah. Well, I tell you, when I when I first started doing this, it was Chinese is what I knew most. So I was like, I'm gonna do Chinese, and it was also um, okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna get like a little serious for a second. Um, my my family, uh, we've been in the process of adopting for five years at this okay. point. And um, she is not home yet because uh, we were all ready to go. We had started the process in 2018 and then 2020 came and we were all ready to go. I know, right? <laughs> and we had our you know, travel orders and everything and then everything shut down in February, March, whatever. And we're like, okay, just a little hiccup. It's okay, she'll, she'll be home soon, they'll open it up. And to this day, three and a half years later, they haven't opened it back up. So we have, we are connected with her. We know who she is. She knows who we are. We've sent videos and letters and it's been three and a half years of us not being there for her yet. And she's too young to understand. She's, she's eight right now and she'll be nine in January. And she's too young to understand like global politics and, you know, all that stuff. So um, when I started this, I was like, I need to do something to take my mind off of I can't bring my daughter home, you know? And so I was like, I am going to teach the freaking world Chinese. And I want everybody to be speaking Chinese, my whole family, my extended family to be speaking Chinese fluently by the time she gets home. So she doesn't feel that the transition will be too difficult, you know? And so I did it and I played it with my family and I've been forcing it on everybody that will listen to me to learn Chinese. But then when I went out to Comic-Cons to sell it, people would look at it and be like, um, do you have Spanish? Do you have Japanese? And I was like, screw you. I got Chinese. Learn some Chinese, you know? And so eventually I was like, all right, this is no longer a, um, like a therapy exercise of learning Chinese and teaching Chinese. It is now a business. And now I should work on the Spanish and I should work on the Japanese. And we just got the Spanish out this last, uh, two weeks ago and the Japanese should be out by January. And, um, and I, I'm a lot calmer when people say, do you have other languages? I don't yell at them anymore. I just say, yes, we have more languages. Ta -da. So anyway, 
again, it started as a project of me, like just really wanting to teach the world Chinese and nobody was going to sit and look at flashcards. So I was like, if you'll sit and play D and D with me, we're going to learn like a dragon ate my teacher. Like we're going to learn that. So anyway, that's, that was why I came up with Palaver and why I want everybody to learn Chinese so they can come talk to my daughter when she comes home eventually. It's, it's interesting because uh, earlier we were saying the fact that uh, abstract art just throwing paint on a canvas. And that's cool. I, I understand why people think that that is not, uh, that's not a lot, that's not a lot of emotion when you're just throwing paint on canvas. But a lot of times uh, doing doodles, not so much emotion, but there has to be some passion to get a project done. To, to get a project done through, throughout the whole process. There has to be some compelling urge to get it done. And yeah, I feel like, I, I feel like making the world, making the house a better place for your daughter to live in is a pretty damn good, uh, sorry. I'm trying to keep, stay away from profanity. Oh, sorry, it's good, it's good. <laughs> it's a pretty gosh darn good reason. <laughs> You're tootin', you betcha. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I'm going to make some fan art because I feel like uh, it's weird because I feel like social media is not too kind. And so when I share stuff on my stories or if I share something that someone else has done, Instagram's like, nope, no one wants to see that. I'm like, oh, <laughs> you, you jerk. Um, right, right. But if I draw something and I post it as an original image, a lot more people will get the notification. So I am going to draw fan art for this because I, I love the project. I'm not a big fan of d and I'm not. <laughs> But, I'm not one of the rules. That's why yeah. I, I made up something where all you do is just tell stories. You don't have to roll a dice if you don't want to. You don't have to add up your hit points or anything. And your fan art, I still have your fan art that you made for me of Leap Dave Williams from 30 Rock. It is on my wall next to my desk because it's the funniest, cutest thing I've ever seen. And I need to get a picture. I need to send you a picture of it so you can put it up on your podcast. But it's Leap Dave Williams holding it. And he's holding a bag of what? I don't know, a bag of something. And he's like, are those tears I hear? And it's <laughs> rock. And I literally think it's the funny. Every time I look at it, I'm like, oh, Jimmy. I, uh, it, it, it still is on like my top list of favorite drawings that I've ever done. Cause it's just- I don't get a lot of, if I get a um, 30 Rock, if I, if I get, no, no, you know what? Because I was going to say Parks and Rec, because uh, between Parks and Rec and 30 Rock, I think the only thing I ever get requested of is Ron Swanson. That's the one character that a lot of people want right. drawn. But right. Leap, uh, Leap Day, that was a good call. That was my favorite. And I think I, because I think it was a Leap Day that we're, we either just experienced a Leap Day because of the episode. Like yeah, it was like a week afterwards. And so it was fresh in my mind. And I was like that, again, it's that absurdist humor that it's in media res, you're just dropped into and you feel like you should understand the humor. And when you realize there's no way to understand the origin or the genesis of this humor, you just ride it. You just like the wave just takes you away, you know? And I love it. I love that feeling. So have you watched the animated uh, David S. Pumpkins movie? Love it. Love it. I, that's a family tradition is to watch David S. Pumpkins. In fact, the kids, they get their candy. And if they leave it out for David S. Pumpkins, he'll take it away and give them something bigger instead of them eating candy all day. So, yes. And when it's like, David S. Pumpkins, are we ever going to see you again? No. <laughs> or when, when his cart comes out, it's a strawberry. It's like, why isn't that a pumpkin? You can't drive a pumpkin. 
I love it. I love it so much. And my kids, they just like, they just leaned into it. They love the the David S. Pumpkins. Anyway, that's the absurdist humor. Just really. I love absurdist humor. So I totally understand how you feel. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so if anyone is interested in getting Palaver, you can get it on your, is there a way to get it on your website? Yeah. You just go to palaver.games. Excellent. .com was taken, but palaver.games, we've got the Spanish and the Chinese up there right now. So. And if you're in the Maryland area, Maryland area, Maryland uh, area it's my store. So I could throw it up everywhere. I <laughs> was like in four different areas and I was like, oh, while you're here, why don't you look at Palaver? <laughs> and we have not discussed your store whatsoever because we're going to oh, do that oh. now. And I think we did that before we actually started recording. Um, you recently opened up a store and I am in love with the store because I love, uh, I mentioned the fact that I don't like it when stores are very just bland, that there's no, I, I like weird stores. I like places that have, that definitely know what theme they want and just run with it. Right. And your store is very much in just uh, this nature loving fantasy realm and I adore it. And I, it's probably going to be my most expensive store visit. I will probably <laughs> get a plane ticket to go visit your store and be like, all right, I'm done. And just head right back home. <laughs> oh man, come stay with me. It'll be fun. We'll hang out. <laughs> so what, what, what brought this on? What, why, why did you, I don't want to say why did you do it? Cause that sounds bad. Like why? No, okay. <laughs> all right. Uh, so I, I've always wanted, I love the idea of like being retired on a beach and having my own bookstore that people can, you know, come in and out and having like a bookstore cat. But I always thought of that of like, that's when I'm 90 and I can just like, that'll be my relaxing retirement plan. And then um, <laughs> Palaver happened and I was so excited to sell the game and to get it out there. Um, but as I said, like people weren't as interested in the Chinese. And so I'd go to these game stores and comic stores and this and that being like trying to get that Venn diagram of people that love D&D &D and love learning languages to get excited about it. And they're like, no, well, call us when you have the Spanish, call us when you have the Japanese or blah, blah. And again, I was really spiteful. I was like, screw you guys. Like, I'm going to go do whatever I want. And then um, it just came kind of together. I found this retail space in our mall that's, you know, five minutes away from me. And I was like, what if I opened a store of palaver? Yeah, like like make my own store with blackjack and hookers, you know? Like, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, can I say hookers? Huh, you can say hookers. I don't think okay. that's <laughs> <laughs> So it was kind of like, well, if I'm out of spite, I'm going to start my own store that anybody that comes in selling their stuff can come sell it, which, no, I don't do that. But <laughs> like, it kind of like started this impetus of like, oh, well, I don't have to be 90 to open a store. I might as well keep going. And so I thought of, I wanted to make it like at a Hobbit's Artist Alley. You know, it's set lots and lots of beautiful art, lots of fun things to make art with. Uh, and I want it to look like a forest. So you go in there and there's plants all over the wall. And, you know, we have a bunch of animal stuffies and everything has a theme to it of just nature. You've wandered into, like I said, a Hobbit's bookstore sort of thing. And, what's so, it called? and it's called Ink and Riddle because it sounds like my name, K.M. Criddle is ink and riddle so because i was like there's michaels there's joannes there's blicks not criddle but uh, riddle so and we also sell like board games and toys and all that stuff so you know if you don't want to write anything or draw anything you can still come in and play a game so. i i still think your name even makes more of a storybook kind of thing because it does it's rhymes with your store the <laughs> ham riddles 
<laughs> Cam Criddles, Ink and Riddle. What I don't know. I think that's adorable. I love it. Thank and you. And I feel another reason why I really love your store is that a lot of times I'll hang out at the local book, uh, the local comic book store, and there'll be kids. And they'll look for the kids' corner where there's uh, an area like there's sure there's merchandise there's t-shirts toys there's pop figures there's bags but then there's the kids' section where they can get books. I like it that your whole store is kid friendly. Yeah. That and it's it's kid friendly but not. Uh, let me. I'm trying to think of exactly how to say this because I feel like a lot of times whenever something is kid friendly, it's talked down to kids. Yeah. And I like your store that it does allow art to grow. That's yeah. not just like placated towards kids. It's letting kids become artists themselves. Right, right. Well, it's like when I was growing up, my parents like gave me the crayons and the crayola and all that. But my grandma, she was an artist. And so I would go over to her house and she'd let me play with the oils and she'd let me do the watercolors and all that stuff. And I was like, I can make just as pretty stuff with a nice watercolor as I can with a rose art crayon. So I always have been under the impression that like if kids want to make art, give them the tools. Don't give them, you know, play school tools to make beautiful art because kids even at like 9, 10, 12 years old, they can make really gorgeous things. So give them the tools. And so that's what I have. I have mostly I mean, there's still some I, I don't even have like Crayola stuff. It's it's student grade to professional grade stuff that they can start drawing with and it's all stuff that I've used too so I'm like that'll work for you that might not let's go for that so yeah I think kids will surprise you if you just give them something challenging because like uh I remember my nephew drew drew a drawing of me and he drew what was it I'm trying to remember he said he drew he drew my eyes and then he's like uh he told me he would draw the glasses but he said but I don't have to and I'm like you don't have to but you can try. You can just, uh, and if you if you already got the eyes, you could just draw a circle around it for the glasses. Right. And he did it, and he was able to do it. And I feel like that's how it is for a lot of kids. And um, I, that's one of the things I really love about Palaver is that if you do the challenge, if it's it, you don't have to throw people in the deep end, but if you give them some kind of challenge, a lot of times kids will match it. They'll they'll get to it. One hundred percent. They're they're such surprising humans you know they're not little npcs running around they're full-on created characters of it just need a little bit of time to grow into the life but they're amazing as they are so and they haven't been crushed by cynicism yet <laughs> it's coming it's coming the longer they can save it off the better <laughs> yeah for, for now let's let's try to encourage uh enjoying life <laughs> exactly exactly so. uh, Speaking of enjoying life, uh, well, first of all, I want to talk about your social media. What social media should people follow to see your stuff and your store and everything? Okay, um, so the store is uh, Ink and Riddle, just Ink and Riddle. I, I was so lucky to actually get that handle, so Ink and Riddle. Uh, Palaver is Palaver Games, and I think, yes, Palaver Games. <laughs> and then um, my just art, which I, has been sadly neglected ever since starting Palaver and Ink and Riddle, is brush quickly's so yeah that's and what it means no i don't know it's just what i decided it would be and now everything is a quibbly to me and uh that's that's who i am <laughs> so now back to what i was saying about happiness uh what words of wisdom would you give to someone i'm trying to think of what question to ask about this because you are all over the place as 
as far as projects are concerned. So I guess the one thing I can say is, uh, what words of wisdom would you give to someone who might be intimidated about following their passion? Because you said that you wanted to open a bookstore way into the future, but yeah. you're just deciding, you know what? I want to enjoy life right now. I'm going to go ahead and do this right now. Yeah. What would you give to someone to encourage them? Um, I don't know. Something that I, has always been kind of my guiding light is, um, I don't know who said it. My mom always said it, but whatever you are, be a good one. And uh, whatever you are, if you want to be an artist, be a good artist. And being good means having fun with it. You know, it, that's the best artist in the world is the one having the most fun. The best bookstore owner is the one having the most fun. You know, it's best anything is having the most fun. So whatever you are, be a good one and have fun with it. That's so like base, but it's really true. Like just have fun. Like life is so short. Like there's nothing is promised to us. Just have fun with anything while we're here and be good to people. Yeah. Oh, 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 oh